Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. I'm Alex. And I'm Britton. We're talking about Insomnia. Yes, we are. This week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is a Christopher Nolan movie. It sure is. We're being very formal. We're being very by the book. Uh, not really yeah. like our protagonist. Um, yeah. Which... Wouldn't want to get in trouble with the guys from investigations or yeah internal affairs I've, I've already forgotten i watched this movie like four days ago so we'll see, <laughs> we'll see how this goes. It, yes yeah from ia the internal affairs which i kept being like they're talking about infernal affairs one of my favorite chinese movies one of the sure. cornerstones of my love for tony lung nope they're talking about so. the organization <laughs> yeah as one does as one does but yeah, it's a it's a Christopher Nolan movie. I didn't like it. Uh, let's talk about it. Um, <laughs> harsh, harsh. Yeah, Alex. Uh, what are those scores? What did other people think? Uh, yeah, I, I can do that. I guess uh, Insomnia, directed by Christopher Nolan from two thousand two, it has a ninety two percent critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a seventy seven percent audience score. Interesting. So I guess. You know, it really just wasn't the crowd pleaser that that one might might think from a Nolan picture. Yeah, I really thought that sentence was going to end with some sort of insomnia pun. Um, oh, Tyler! Yeah, so this you you, ex, you expect <laughs> really far too much of me. How many audiences to sleep? Yeah, or, or or on the other side, like it's a sleeper hit. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, um, you know. I mean, that's all. That's, that's all. The it. Those are the only ones. Yeah. Insomnia dreams up 3.6 million there on you, opening Thursday. There you go. There you go. I, I have some reservations about this movie, but it's hard to be mad at it in any way because this helped get him Batman. Right. So. Right. Understandably. Britain, do you have a synopsis? Oh, I sure do, Tyler. Um, and that synopsis for Insomnia reads thus. From acclaimed director Chris Nolan, getting a little familiar, mm-hmm. Google. Uh, comes the story of this was back when he went by Chris <laughs> before yeah before uh, uh, Roscoe Lee Brown told him to go by Christopher um, is uh, da, 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 da. comes the story of a veteran police detective who is sent to a small Alaskan town to investigate the murder of a teenage girl forced into a psychological game of cat and mouse by the primary suspect events escalate and the detective finds his own stability dangerously threatened. Yeah, I I will say I didn't expect this movie to have the plot that it did. I I thought it was a fairly straight ahead. Mm-hmm. He's got to solve the murder and he can't go to sleep that because the sun doesn't set. Um, that that's what I thought the movie was. And so then they throw all this other stuff in, which I thought was did make the story more interesting. My really only I say I didn't like it. It's not for any criticism. I just found it boring. Like I just couldn't get invested i couldn't really get involved i I became curious about like Mm -hmm. how are they going to resolve different beats and i think in a lot of ways it just struck me as being maybe nolan's most standard movie like this feels the the most like yeah that's a movie where i feel like all of his other movies there's either something he he's doing a specific thing like with the dreams or with the space or with like telling a story out of line or whatever out of sequence or it's just of such a high caliber. And this one was like, yeah, you, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, we keep talking about it in very like ho-hum terms, but it's actually, I think, really fascinating to look at from the exact angle that we're trying to look at this from, which is, you know, 
what is what is it like and what does it tell us about Nolan yeah. in the context of his career and and the things that he likes to do um and i f- i it was really interesting and really kept me engaged from that angle um because yeah it, it is the you can almost see how it would appeal to somebody who is you know making movies that are all based around messing with structure mm-hmm. and doing something interesting and it's like oh a movie that where every scene is going to be in daytime and right, you know, you're right. having to tell time and you're following a protagonist who's losing track of time um because of all that like that's interesting that's that's an interesting angle i think it, nolan executes it as about as well as you would expect and it's kind of like oh okay <laughs> yes. it's not quite as maybe like uh exciting as it might have seemed on the surface um I found it really interesting that it is about because the basically the premise is that uh, Al Pacino's character does accidentally or maybe not accidentally shoot his partner who is going to give up some information that would have maybe unraveled Al Pacino's whole career in terms of what he's been trying to to do and all the guys he's locked away uh and um <clears throat> Robin Williams uh as who as we discover is our kind of main villain uh he is aware of this and he is you know basically figuring out how to manipulate al pacino into not get not turning him in or not capturing him uh by basically blackmailing him with the information that he has uh <clears throat> it's really interesting it's 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 fascinating to me that nolan is someone who uses cops a lot in his movies but they're almost never just like oh yeah uh, you know we, we've got a cop hero yeah um even i mean gordon in the batman movies is kind of a, a very nuanced and flawed character and he's dealing with a lot of corruption in his own kind of organization um we just talked about memento with teddy teddy being kind of the sketchy dude who is maybe probably a cop but also does a lot of very unethical things um, so that's a, an interesting angle. I, I, I can't remember if there are other examples, but I'll be curious to kind of follow along with that, um, that he seems to have an interest in that, but not just in the, the idea. And he is British. He's making these things mostly about American cops. You know, maybe there's an angle to that or a perspective he has, or like something that he wants to really like explore there that fascinates him. Um, but that keeps coming up and that that was intriguing to me because i i also thought this was going to be a lot more of a straightforward okay it's a detective he's going to a town to mm-hmm. find a murderer and the town's weird because the sun's up all the time i think uh one other example and we won't necessarily be discussing this because we've already done the batman movies is um john blake in dark knight rises mm. yeah who i guess is like the most kind of clean cut of all these yeah. examples we're going through but obviously his arc is kind of discovering or you know realizing why batman is needed and then he ends up you know kind of taking on the mantle at the end of the movie yeah. so there's that that angle to it yeah Bat- batman his batman saga is about a, a man who feels he has to go beyond the law in order to yeah. protect his city yeah yeah and Very in interstellar they're kind of like space cops in a way ah Dream Cops in Inception, Nazi Cops in Dunkirk. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what... I think that was his original pitch, is like, but what if you could get arrested in your dreams? Wait, wait, wait. 
Are you, are you telling me that means in Tenet they're time cops? They are time cops. They are time they are cops. Time That's actually the most true. Yeah, they actually are. Can we watch Time Cop with John Clark? <laughs> yeah, we're going to watch it in like weeks. Uh, <laughs> he probably eats um, at a restaurant in that movie. No, no, yeah. no. That's it's, <clears throat> see, see. It's it's a little. It's a subtle nuance. Like you wouldn't you wouldn't know it unless you were looking for it. See, see. Time Cop is directed by this young up and coming filmmaker named Chris Nolan. Mm-hmm. Man, I want to see this movie real bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, man. Anyway. speaking he, of our, he, he changed his name to Christopher so that way nobody was seeing <laughs> him. With I clearly didn't Cop. make Time Cop. I'm Christopher <laughs> Nolan. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, Paul W.S. Uh, exactly. kind of uh, that sort of angle. Right, right, right. Wait, there will be blood? That That's not an underworld sequel. It's about <laughs> oil. Anyway. <laughs> um, speaking of our, our weekly check-in on does Christopher Nolan like to put people in restaurants? He does. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> in this one, we have a sort of a uh, inversion, a subversion of, of this where uh, they first get into the town, Al Pacino and his partner do, and they are sitting in a restaurant uh, or restaurant. It's a, it's a hotel. I guess it's a restaurant, but it's that, a hotel, yeah. you know, establishment. Hotel bar kind of deal. Yeah. Uh, but they're sitting at a table. They're looking at the menu. They're making jokes about how everything has halibut in it. Uh, and then the waitress comes up to ask uh, what they want to eat, but they've just had this intense conversation where Al Pacino realizes that he's going to be turned in, uh, you know, for but he his partner's not trying to turn him in, but he thinks his, what his partner is going to tell is going to sort of pull out the thread that unravels his whole his whole deal and, and you know calls into question all of the arrests he's made in the past and that sort of thing. Um, so he's you know very upset and he storms off instead of ordering anything so it's sort of a it's already he's already playing with the tropes here by having uh information exchange that results in a breaking of the uh the sort of covenant of eating dinner with somebody so that is very true all right checks out still got it still (laughs) at it the man likes dinner and lunch uh, <laughs> isn't Robin so, Williams so always telling him to that... like make food or something? Isn't that a thing? Robin Williams like like leaves him a voicemail that's like, "Can be sure to ho ho go eat your get your eggs or whatever." Doesn't that happen? Am he I tells him to up? feed his dog. That's it. Mm. Mm. So so Tyler on that basis, what is this like a B minus? Yeah. Okay. Subverts <laughs> pretty much expectations. Like Jamie's the bad guy and Al Pacino doesn't order food and insomnia. Yeah. <laughs> B minus. Yeah. It's cute. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I. It, it is really fascinating to watch this and realize, like, why this is a movie that I, even though I think it's pretty competently made, it has been lost to Nolan's filmography. It is, I think, easily his most forgotten movie outside of following, which is almost, again, that's, you know, a debut feature. So it's like that at least people, you know, it's a it's a trivia question of, oh, what's Christopher Nolan's first movie? Right. Right? You know, there, there's at least that going for it where this is it's it's wedged in between kind of his first big hit and then a couple of other really big hits that people love. And it is 
a pretty straightforward narrative. I mean, it's it's got twist. There's some some bits. There's a little bit of flashback stuff going on, but for the most part, it's you know playing it straight. Um, in in a couple ways, it almost feels like, and I I know I compare everything to Twin Peaks, but this does almost feel like a like oh, we want to capture that vibe. We want to, you know, capture the, oh, small town rocked by scandal. Like, it, it feels in a in a way that it's almost imitating, uh, I don't know about Twin Peaks in particular, because this was like 10 years later, but like maybe, I don't, I don't know if there were any other imitators in that time. I'm sure there were because of the success Twin, Twin Peaks was. And I feel like this is kind of in that tradition of like, okay, we're, we kind of have a blueprint here that we're following of the guy shows up and he's trying to figure out if the town trusts him or not. And he's really good at his job, but he's got things that are getting in his way. And, you know, the kind of following the, the narrative out from there. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. It, it, I didn't, I guess the other element that really surprised me, and I'm, it's another thing that I'm curious to continue tracking is uh, this string of incompetent protagonists that we have. Sure. Um, <laughs> Al Pacino's detective is who I have not named because I do not remember his name. Oh, I, oh, I, have, a, I have a whole thing about the names in this movie. Go on. Cool, cool. All I'll right. I'll cover it. Uh, <laughs> he um, is basically, he's he's a good detective, but he is beginning to toy with breaking his own boundaries and, you know, kind of working outside of the law uh, and shoots whether accidentally or not. He kind of can't, remember doesn't want to remember exactly what he was thinking at the time uh shoots his partner and then the entire movie is about him trying to cover that up uh and really failing <laughs> to to do so and failing to manipulate robin williams as he loses more sleep and becomes sort of more uh more deranged and more unable to kind of interact with the people he's supposed to be working with uh it's it's really interesting that that is an angle that keeps coming up here, um, following the footsteps of Leonard and Guy from Following. Uh, well, and foreshadowing Batman, who can't even kill anybody. Like, come on. Yeah, uh, there we go. What kind there of superhero is but he? It, it almost doesn't form his take on Batman being someone who is infallible and or is fallible, mm. is not infallible, uh, and someone who can get beaten up sometimes and yeah. can make mistakes and doesn't always, uh, you know, figure out exactly what he's getting into. Um, that's an interesting angle, and I didn't. That's something yeah, I've never thought about that before. That is that is neat. Um, one thing I did want to point out: uh, it is interesting, kind of the the particular plot points involving like cop politics mm -hmm. that are pulled straight from this and used for dark Knight. Hmm. Cause specifically they talk about how Harvey Dent was in spoilers for dark Knight. Um, <laughs> Harvey Dent was in internal affairs and that's where he got the moniker of two face from. That's why all the, the other cops mm. don't really trust him. And then also you get to the end of the movie and part of the reason that Batman decides to take the fall for Harvey's uh, murders is because if it gets out that Harvey committed all these murders, then all the the criminals that they put away in the Dark Knight would go yep. free. Yeah, they're pulling very specific plot points from this movie, and I think that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I didn't know that. Hmm. 
I don't know. It, it, this this really does. I, no, the movie really does feel like Nolan working out. He's like, all right, I've gotten, uh, you know, I've established my name. I'm gonna go knock this out. Get myself some some money for doing a studio job. Um, is this based on a book or did I make that up? It's based on a, Nor- a Norwegian movie. Or okay, so it's ba- that's right, that's right. It's it's kind of a remake, um, and it's also not written by Christopher Nolan. Yeah, Hilary Seitz. Yeah, is the yeah. only one of his films that's not at least co-written by him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's a it's kind of a total like <clears throat> I'm just gonna knock this out and you know prove that I can be effective and get a job done. Yeah, like I, w- I wonder um, if it was that for that. him, like his equivalent of a paycheck job, not in a callous way, but in a like. Yeah, I don't have like a, this is not coming from a super personal place, but I, I, I it, proved myself somewhat with with memento. So now I can like, hey, look, you give me even bigger mo- more money and bigger stars. Like, we're, yes, gi- exactly. we're giving you we're a perfectly competent, Williams. yeah, yeah, perfectly competent crime thriller script. We've we're giving you a higher budget. You can use more, you know, pretty you know grander locations that you can really kind of uh, use your cinematography budget on. Yeah, um, we'll give you three Oscar winners. We, yeah, we've got we've got mm-hmm. big stars to kind of kind of uh, boost box office numbers. Yeah, it does really feel kind of like that, where it's just like, oh, this is the next step to get to the th- to the m- things that maybe he's more interested in making. Yeah, but this is not like a phoned in job. No, no, not at all. It, it it felt less personal, but that doesn't mean less intentional. Yeah, yeah, and I think the fact that. Nolan didn't write it really does kind of point out why Nolan is so fascinating because I think you know you guys have already alluded to this this ends up being the most straightforward of all of his movies yeah like it's it's not really non-linear there's a couple of quick flashbacks but it's not it's not like oh for the next 15 minutes we're just like in in flashback territory it's not like that this one's very very straightforward um even despite the twists and turns um you know i i i don't i don't i'm not really sure where i fall on this like sometimes i'm like i you know when i watch it i'm like oh yeah this is like solid stuff and then i'm like yeah but i forget about it so fast (laughs) well i think it's also i i find it interesting when i'm watching a thriller and halfway or less than halfway through they go ahead and tell you that's the killer and the tension changes into it into something else where it stops being about who could it be and who's actual who is the 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 guilty party and it just becomes about either the main character knows they did it and then proving that they did it or I remember I read um a book last year called American Predator it's a nonfiction book about Israel Keys uh the most prolific serial killer in American history mm. and it's a chilling book but they find him very early in the book such that i was like that's not him that's not the guy because they found him too early and i went well Brendan, this is reality and not a story but then the rest of it became about the investigation and the how do they pin him pin these other murders on him and figuring all this stuff out it's a very very good book but it um that that is one example but i feel like in a different way i mean knives out and glass onion they do give you the answer kind of towards the end of the movie but it's not the twist isn't who did it, but it's why yep. and what that reflects on with everybody, oh. with everything else in the movie. And I think that, that 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 was an interesting thing about this story is like, yeah, we find out very or fairly quickly that Robin Williams did it. But then it's about him trying to 
navigate. Yeah, and coerce Pacino into like, if we work together, we can both get out of here and we can actually put this. I didn't mean to kill her, but her boyfriend meant to be physically abusive to her. So we can get him in jail and he's punished and I'm not in this whole this whole bit. And all of that, I, I thought, well, that is an interesting um, storyline that I, I genuinely was not. That's not where I thought the movie would go. And I think that is a more interesting story to tell in a lot of ways. Do we want to address the elephant in the room? The, that is the that, elephant. I was going to say Big Al, but yours is better. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, Al Pacino's in it. Uh, he's doing his thing from Sea of Love and uh, 48 Hours, something like that. 88 minutes. <laughs> Number and increment of time. <laughs> yes. No, I, I you know, I, I think I've said this before. I, I've never gotten the Al Pacino thing. Now, I haven't seen the Godfather movies um, or Scarface or and Justice for All. I saw Dog Day Afternoon a million years ago. Um, but, like, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like with a lot of these actors, for my generation, it was like, all right, you had to go back and watch the older movies to understand why these people were top billing and all this crap. Um, I get De Niro. <laughs> um, sure. Totally get De Niro. Get Hoffman. Um, but, like, I, n- I just never really clicked into the Pacino thing. I don't think he's bad in this movie. I think it's mm-hmm. it's it's a weird, like, bigly subtle performance. Like, he's not screaming the way that the kind of the stereotype of Pacino is. But he's right, also yeah. not. He, he's trying to play a quieter thing, but he's doing a lot of, like, takes about, oh, I'm sleepy. You know, it's yeah. it's he's yeah. doing a big thing to show something small, if that makes sense. Um, he does say Charlie Bubbles really early, which is great. Charlie Bubbles. Yeah. He, I think this is a role that fits his, you know, later sure. career very well because it's it's a role about yeah. being tired. Well, and it's a role that um, is not. You can't, pardon the pun, sleepwalk through it, right? It's not yeah. like I feel like a lot of these other movies are things that he's like, yeah, I know what to do, and he shows up, does yeah. it, and leaves. This it feels like he did actually have like he and Nolan were were trying to work on like a character. You know, and I think that is something that struck me a little is like, this is probably the most energy I've seen Al Pacino have in something since watching. I haven't watched Scarface either, but the original Godfathers sure. we did for the podcast at one point. Um, and it's like, yeah, this this is actually like a role where it's like, yeah, he's, you know, yeah, you can, you can see a, a good actor. He's trying. Yeah. In, in that performance. Um, and I think, you know, there's moments I really like. I like him um, kind of trying to go to the. <clears throat> ex-boyfriend or the boyfriend mm-hmm. of the oh, like the girl who was killed into giving up more information and he plays that in a way that's kind of very cruel and, and pointed and yeah. you know gets the right answers and everything um and i think that's done well and like the, there's a i think because he's reserved for a lot of the movie the stuff where he kind of blows up is more uh more effective the <laughs> towards the end there is a lot of running uh and chasing uh yeah. and it's kind of like uh, it doesn't feel quite right there for yeah there's <laughs> a really interesting give that movie. man a segue <laughs> here i go <laughs> there's a really interestingly conceived set piece where he's chasing robin williams across like 
a ton, yes. all these floating trees that are in the in the mm-hmm. harbor or something. Really interesting idea. I wasn't crazy about the way it was shot, and I was like, oh right, they're having to shoot around stunt doubles because it's Al Pacino and Robin Williams. <laughs> like, the, you know what I mean? It's not like, all yeah. right, Donnie Yen, go chase Tony Jaw over the over yeah. these things. We got one. We'll just put one camera on you and just track you. Like they got. Yeah, there's a lot of shots of Al, of Al running that I was like, well, like, all right, paid him enough to run. Okay, then. <laughs> He's doing it. Er, er, bounce, behave, bounce, behave. <laughs> For me, I, I, I feel like sometimes I fall into this trap where there are actors that have such distinct voices and looks that I typecast them in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, Like that my go-to is George Clooney. Like, even if it's a fantastic George Clooney movie, I'm like, yeah, but it's George Clooney and I can't really get that out of my head. Like sure. watching Up in the Air, for example. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, that's a fantastic movie. It's George Clooney, though. Um, and I kind of feel that with Al Pacino in his later career. I, I really think there is a marked difference between his earlier performances, like the first couple of Godfathers and Dog Day Afternoon versus like his later performances. Um, and I'm not sure why that is like even Godfather three. I feel like he's, mm-hmm. he's really starting to enter like this phase of his career. Um, and like, he's definitely giving it his all. Like it's, you know, it's a solid performance by him, but I, I just, I have a hard time getting that out of my head. And I'm like, I feel like that's just more of a distraction to me than anything else. Sure. And I really, I, I wonder if you had another actor in this role, what that would do for you. I know the Stellan Skarsgård in the original, um, mm. which now I don't know. Well, you can't tell me that after we watched Andor. <laughs> I know. That was my exact you thought. You can't do that to me. I was like, I know this is 1997 Stellan making it, but I'm picturing like freaking uh, uh, Luthen whatever in Andor. Yeah. And I'm like, God, he'd yeah. be so good in this kind of movie. Or what's his name from Thor the Dark World? Yeah. Daddy Dennings. I can't remember. Equivalent performance. Um. So do you think we can get back to Asgard with your little magic box? I share my dreams with ghosts. What? <laughs> look, look, when when he was running around Stonehenge naked, he looked he looked pretty tired. Yelling about burning yeah. his morality for a sunset or sunrise he'll never get to see. Yeah. Yes. We should we should just go we should do the uh we should put a pause on this episode and go uh, watch uh, the that insomnia, and then uh, I I honestly thought about watching it because I, I want to see Skarsgård. <laughs> that is fascinating. Yeah, I will say, however distracted I was by Al Pacino, I was not at all by Robin Williams. Yes. I think he is He's very good. Maybe the best part of the movie. I do really like Hilary yes. Swank as well, yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. but Robin Williams, I think, kind of just steals the show. Yeah, I, I which is funny because he's understated compared to other performances. Yes. I, I mean, he's obviously also, everyone knows like the loud comedic yeah, yeah. side of Robin Williams, but this really kind of is a whole different world. Mm-hmm. Well, he, and I think I've said this on the show before, but I, in many ways, I think I like him more as a dramatic actor than a, yeah. a comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just such, he was such a beautiful dramatic actor. Like even in something that was a blend of comedy and drama, like the birdcage, he's so good in the birdcage and he's so good in dead poet society. And he's so good in good morning mm-hmm. Vietnam. Um, like I just, just love him forever. And, and this was also in a time in his career where he was doing like one hour photo and they were starting to do like darker Robin Williams performances. 
So I feel like I, and I haven't seen one hour photo. I don't know what I was thinking of that this felt similar to this, but I, I agree. And talk about somebody who's not doing anything different with his voice. He's not, he's not styled to look different. They're like, that's what Robin Williams looks like. That's what Robin Williams sounds like. He's just more understated, but he's so good in it. And like, there was some take, I want to say it's during the interrogation when the scene where Pacino like loses it and tries to mm-hmm. like throttle him. He does some like little facial tick or some like little expression that's just so effective. Like he's so good in it. He's chilling. Yeah. Uh, in a way that I don't think I've ever seen him do. Uh, and it's upsetting and very good. And I like that yeah. they never, we don't actually, the, the flashbacks of uh, Kay is the girl who's killed. Sounds right. Okay. Um, that she, okay, she, she, her murder, the flashbacks to it are very, very quick, but they're not, you don't actually see Robin Williams hitting her, which I think is one, it's effective because what you picture is worse than your imagination will make it scarier. But also like, I don't, I don't know that it wouldn't have been, I don't know that you could have taken seriously, but maybe it would have been too jarring to see Robin Williams committing that act of violence. But to hear him talking about it and saying, like, well, you know, I didn't mean to kill her. But he's so, like, at peace with himself about it. That's really freaky. And so mm-hmm. having him being so so comfortable with it, but having to imagine what that act actually is, I think is so effective. Um, yeah, just good stuff. Yeah, I, I really like how he's able to keep himself a lot more composed than Al Pacino throughout mm-hmm. the whole movie. I, I, um, I do wonder what it was like in between those days. Sure. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder if somebody went, Hey Robin. And Chris went, say that again. <laughs> well, uh, funny. You should say that. Uh, Robin Williams for the longest time was like considered for various roles in the Batman movies. Mm-hmm. Like I know, he was kind of the main person. And I think this was all a, a kind of a business tactic just to get Jack Nicholson the role. But they initially were trying to get Robin Williams the role of the Joker. Right. I think. Um, and I think he got kind of burnt by that. It was like, oh, you just used me as a ploy to get Jack Nicholson in here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then I think he was in talks for maybe playing the Riddler in Batman Forever. Oh, well. Um, which would have been interesting and definitely different from jim carrey um and i think for the longest time he was rumored to show up in one of the nolan movies as something whether it be the riddler or something else and i actually penguin might have been tossed around sure and i think that's a genuine shame that he wasn't in those because i think that would have been great i remember (laughs) on this podcast back in the day we came we hit upon what if he played mr freeze and how Mm -hmm. like that could be an interesting kind of subversion subversion um, mm-hmm. Have you guys mm-hmm. heard, this is a, a little digression, have you guys heard uh, Tom Hanks talk about being considered for the 89 Batman? No. Yeah. He, As Batman? Yeah. He was on Graham Norton, and they, he, they, he was like, yeah, th-, and he really emphasized that like this was early, 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 early. They were seeing everybody. This was literally just yeah. like, you got a face, we'll, we'll, we'll try it. Like, we just got to find it. And he was like, so, you know, I probably went in and read a scene and left. Like, it was never really going to happen. I wasn't in the final five or whatever. But then Tom Hanks goes on, like, can you imagine this voice going, <laughs> I'm Batman? 
Like, <laughs> I think it's better that they didn't go with me. Okay, Tom Hanks versus Robin Williams in a Batman movie. <laughs> I mean, be very good. It oh, writes man. itself. It's right there. <laughs> you did. You did say that, and I mean, it was like, what if Tom Hanks was the main, the protagonist of Insomnia? No. <laughs> Current Tom Hanks actually would probably kill that. Po- post Castaway, Tom sure, Hanks. Sure, sure. Yes, please. That could work. What, what's interesting? I would is, like that order. <laughs> it is because, like, it, it, that makes sense. That like Robin Williams <clears throat> kind of kept, you know, getting named. Um, it's interesting that there's not really. I want to say maybe his partner shows up somewhere in the Batman movies. We're making that up in the dark. His Knight partner Charity. actually shows up in Tenet. Oh, oh, that is what it is. That's Mar- right. That's right. Martin Donovan, Donovan is yeah. um, the protagonist's kind of initial contact, and he's the one that first uses right. the the term tenant. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, <clears throat> it sounds like they were trying to get Robin Williams in. Uh, Hillary Swank, I don't think is. I don't think she's in any of Nolan stuff. And Al Pacino has not been in any of Nolan stuff. Like, it's interesting that for someone who, I guess, Guy Pierce hasn't really. Maybe maybe it's just the early, early. But I mean, like we talked about, <clears throat> there were all these little cameos uh, in like the Dark Knight trilogy where that he pulled people from like following yeah. and from Memento and like kind of yeah. Yeah, but, they, but then he them. like called his little stable not well little. I mean, he's worked with Killian Murphy yeah. like fourteen times. Yeah, and so that that's interesting to me that this movie being one where it's like, oh, these are some of the biggest stars. Yeah, you know, he he had worked with up to that point didn't it didn't really seem like there was a lot of continuity uh in this cast and him wanting to bring back that cast which is interesting and that could also that can come down to scheduling that can come down to just what what parts in he's looking at in a given movie yeah Um, al pacino is alfred (laughs) al pacino as alfred borden (laughs) in the prestige Mm -hmm. oh Mm -hmm. yeah even better so you're nikola tesla huh <laughs> they want to be fooled. Ah, <laughs> oh, my Abra. bird is gone. Ah, oh, dang it. <laughs> Abracadabra. <laughs> I think that's funny. He, he kills the bird accidentally and then just shoots it <laughs> and then digs the bullet out. <laughs> uh, there's a very upsetting scene in this movie that I'm referencing right now, yes, which that is, is where chilling. Uh, he finds a dead dog and shoots it and then pulls the bullet out so that he can swap the bullet. There, there's a whole thing there where I'm not 100% sure if it was even necessary. I guess it was. I kind of lost track of what exactly he was trying to do, but basically he had his gun that was a 9mm uh-huh. or something. It's it's yeah. established that um, Robin Williams drops his gun. Yes, which is a 38 revolver. Yes, and so Al Pacino is able to get a hold of that, and he shoots the dog with it, and he swaps that bullet with the one that he actually used to kill his right. partner. Okay. Okay. Um, weird bullet logic, which again shows up in Dark Knight because <laughs> if he shot a dog and with tenet. it, <laughs> did they show him cleaning the bullet? Because I'm, <laughs> I almost wonder if they did a DNA test and they're like, that's not, that's not right. <laughs> I think they do show him cleaning the bullet because the idea is just like, oh, he just needs to have a bullet that was impacted and right. flesh. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it is weird. Uh, <laughs> it, 
Yeah, I don't know. It, it's like it's like this movie was Nolan's like real crash course in crime fiction. Yes. And then he gets to Dark Knight and they're like, all right, you got like $150 million. He's like, all right, time to put it to good use. <laughs> Which makes it really interesting that he didn't write it because, I mean, I guess maybe he you know, got to look at a few scripts. Warner Brothers. Was this Warner Brothers at this point? Had he, had he locked in with them? I I I remember seeing their logo I, on. The, I assume the front. it was either Warner Brothers or Disney. Uh, <laughs> it was it was DreamWorks. They made they made the straight story, and they were like, "All right, that was a success. Let's do let's let's give another guy a go." Um, no, yes, it was. Let's see Warner what Brothers Lars von Trier wants to make with us. <laughs> um, you you can call it anti Mickey. <laughs> Well, you didn't know uh, Melancholia was was a uh, a sequel. <laughs> a sequel to Princess and the Frog. <laughs> no, it's a prequel to Princess and the Frog. <laughs> pardon excuse me, pardon you. Me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I you know I assume he got a chance to maybe look at some stuff and say like, okay, I want to do this one. Um, but it, it is interesting that this ends up including a lot of his fascinations anyway yeah i think that is neat and i did alex you did mention hillary swank i do want to yeah celebrate her it was nice to see because i haven't seen hillary swank in anything for a while um and it was nice to see see her uh again because she's good in things and she's giving a lot mm-hmm. of jody balfour in season one of for all mankind energy in this True. um it made it just her hair but uh yeah, I, I, I liked her. I liked that she was the gung-ho cop. But I also liked that this movie didn't have everyone calling her sweetheart and making jokes about it. Yeah. Like, everyone's like, yeah, she loves the job. If there's not comedy, but kind of anybody, if there's a- any sort of doubt around her, it's just the rookie thing. It's not that she's a, yeah. a lady a lady. She's cop. referencing uh, Al Pacino's cases yeah, a lot. Yeah. She's, she's like a, he's an idol to her, and she ends up using that to figure, like, connect the dots on what exactly he did. Yeah, I liked all that. Um, and also, I, I, I mentioned the names. There's a lot of clues to characters in these names. It's just all part of the, the mental puzzle that Chris likes to play with us. Because mm-hmm. her name, well, first of all, um, Al Pacino's name is Will Dormer. Dormer, like d- the verb dormir, to sleep. Mm, coincidence? Oh. I think mm. not. Will he Probably sleep? <laughs> Does he have the will to sleep? The answer to both is no. Well, um, uh, Martin Donovan from Supergirl his character's name is Hap Leonard, and he is kind of the happiest character, certainly between him and, and uh, Al. But much yeah, when he was bleeding out on the ground, he was very well, happy. Well, because much like the word happy, his life was cut short. And so that's Hap. <laughs> um, also, his name is Hap Eckhart, which foreshadows Aaron yes, Eckhart in the Dark Knight movies. Um, and uh, No one knows what he's doing. What he's, can I all, say? The gears are always turning. I'm pretty sure Tenet is an actual scientific technology and Nolan's been using it yes. to make his movies. <laughs> yes, I think Nolan is directing reality. It's very, it's very <laughs> pop. That's why it's been so gray here lately. Um, but uh, he, he's look, looking for that downer ending. Yeah. He's, he's getting back to his right. Roots. Look, it's, it's Nolan's world. We're all, we're all just living. In <laughs> yeah. It. That's why uh, I'm in this little syncope thing, labyrinth and I keep hitting the wall. But yeah. uh, Hilary Swank's character's name is Ellie Burr, which makes sense because she's always wearing coats because she's cold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Alaska. See? Nolan's <laughs> he's, he's thought of all of it. Figured it all, Tyler, all out. 
Please put as the description for the episode, Alaska. <laughs> which is the TV show that Hillary Swank is doing right now, Alaska Daily. Oh, which is what you could call this movie. Mm-hmm. So I'm just I, saying. I, I hope she shows up in Cobra Kai before I ends. really want that. They've literally gotten everyone else. Like, how have they She's not She's clearly willing them? to do TV. Come on. Like, it's right there. She's got two Oscars in time. Get her in there. It's right. I haven't watched a second of Cobra Kai, and I've only seen the Jaden Smith and the original Karate Kid movie. But I saw a little bit of Karate Kid, next Karate Kid, and I had a big crush on her as a kid. So we got to do um, it for the podcast. I, I do genuinely think Al Pacino's best scenes are when he is talking to Hillary Swank. Yeah. I felt mm-hmm. like there's a certain... I th- I felt like they had a really good chemistry and just their back and forth where he's just kind of imparting wisdom on her and she's um, taking notes diligently and he's kind of poking fun at her for that. And then I like it get- how it gets to the point where he has built up such a level of respect mm-hmm. that when he starts like – it's hard to tell if it's intentional or not, but he's starting to give himself away and he's like – don't sign this form about what happened unless no. you're really sure. And that leads her to dive back in and be like, well, there's discrepancies here. I need to ask more questions. Um, I really like how all of that is played. I agree. And then they get into a shootout at the end. Mm-hmm. I believe like, Robin Williams has a shotgun. This might be the most violent of Nolan's movies. At least in terms of like showing things that are graphic. Uh, uh, what would be the Dun- Dunkirk or Tenant? N- neither would. They're both PG thirteen though. Is Insomnia R? I didn't even catch that. There is technically yeah, all... nudity. Okay. And blood. And blood. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, because it's interesting. Because somehow, uh, particularly... I feel like there's weird stuff in Tenant. I feel like there's upsetting sure. violence in it. I could be wrong. But particularly with, with um, the Batman movies, like somehow those are like very violent movies, but they have almost no blood and it's not distracting, which everyone's heard me harp about that with particular movies where it's like, no, there should be more, there should be a level yeah. of gore and like, cause the, because of the things happening. But for the most part, no one's able to get away with not doing that. So it's interesting seeing him in a place where, he actually has the license to show that stuff. I feel like no. he doesn't go too far. No. Like, no. you know, when Robin Williams and Al Pacino shoot each other at the end, like, there is blood. Yeah. And it's like, oh, they got shot, <laughs> and they're bleeding yeah. out. But it's not, like, over-the-top and crazy. No. I liked how they didn't give Robin Williams a stupid one-liner at the end. Mm-hmm. She sure. kind of just mm-hmm. fell into the water. R- remind me, because his body sinks, right? For dramatic effect, that wouldn't actually happen, right? I don't know. Uh, I've never shot someone, Alex. <laughs> All right. Certainly never shot no, someone and probably, probably them in the water. Yeah. I know I mean, what we're doing absurd. after the episode. <laughs> um, I'll put on my I'll put on my uh my vest. <laughs> judge, this is a joke. He's doing a joke, Judge. <laughs> he didn't do it, Judge. Um No, uh, I think he probably would float though. Well, I th- I don't know if that's something to do with like the reason bodies float. Yeah, later. Well, Bombles bounce decomposition. Yeah. So the the reason I'm thinking about it, I thought of uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in Titanic because he sinks. Oh. And I know okay. there's the whole 
There's a whole thing about Jack should be on the board too or whatever. That's not what I'm talking about. Like he actually sinks like into the darkness and it's uh, cinematically it's, it's poetic. Sure. I mean, I think theoretically that's how one would drown is getting water in your body. And then I think no. just like over time, your body, your someone's theoretical body would decompose. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you framed it that way. <laughs> it would have been funny if Al Pacino had dropped the Curtis Lemaire after Robin Williams and gone, oh, like the whole lady in Titanic. <laughs> oh, my Curtis Lemaire uh, is gone. I. Th- <laughs> oh no. I think uh, I think this is where we're going to have to pivot to becoming a crime podcast, a true crime podcast. That's right. Human suffering, pretty commercial. Murderinos? <laughs> Probably trademarked at this is point. What, is what we are now? I did not say that about myself. I guess I did cite <laughs> a book I read. That's okay. I'm saying it for all of them. Okay. Um, yeah, Alex, you're always <laughs> watching that Making a Murderer on Netflix, yeah. right? Yeah. The one yeah. thing, that one thing with Jonathan Groff. Yeah, Mindhunter. Oh, yeah, Mindhunter. Yeah. That. I'll talk about that. I'll talk about the Zodiac movie. Yeah, I can I can sure, get on sure. this. Speaking of things that maybe could have been more compelling to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, do, but do have good performances. I, yeah. <laughs> I, one thing that they do at the ending of this movie that I think almost saves it for me because I, I felt like I was losing a little bit of, <clears throat> of just the momentum and the kind of evoking the actual theme that the movie was trying to go for. Um, at the very end, uh, Hillary Swing's character has gone back to read the files and realized that <clears throat> the bullet, uh, I forget exactly what she figured. Maybe she, does she find the bullet? She finds or... the bullet at the other cabin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and she identifies that. That's right. That's right. She finds another guy, and she identifies that. Uh, that bullet matches what uh, Al Pacino had, the gun that he he always carried as kind of a backup weapon. Um, and connects the dots there and realizes like, oh, he must have done this. And she, as he is dying, is like, well, you know. At first, there's a scene where I should probably back up. There's a scene where Al Pacino. Uh, is kind of spilling his heart out to the landlady of the hotel. Uh, uh, play, played by Maura Tierney, a good mm-hmm. actress. Character's last name, Clement, because she offers a lot of clemency. And there you go. There you go. Uh, they thought about it. <laughs> the thinker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, kind of... There's also a weird thing where I believe she ends up in his bed... I don't. I don't think anything happened. I think she. I, no. What I assume happened is she was like, "Well, I just did a lot of help you do a lot of soul searching. I'm exhausted." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that's almost how it plays. It's a little weird. Yeah. Um. She's also like, "It's four in the morning." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she's fully dressed, um, so like it wasn't. Yeah, it's Stop a it's a weird talking. <laughs> it's all weird. Maybe he killed her. Who's to say? <laughs> um, Good night, but... sweet prince. <laughs> he, uh, he does you know kind of basically he gives us the revelation as the audience and her that he framed a guy because he was certain that this guy had had killed a, a young boy uh the but the you know the courts couldn't pin him down and so then he went ahead and, and 
planted the the evidence and obviously is very unethical and, and totally outside of the bounds of the law. <laughs> and so he's like, if anybody ever finds out about this, this is what uh, his partner was going to talk about. You know, like it was going to be a whole big thing. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, basically he's grappling with like, okay, right now I'm in a position where this guy who I know for a fact is a murderer of this young girl has framed this, this kid who was an abuser. And we know that for a fact, but did not kill her. Uh, seems like a bit of a scumbag overall, but ultimately is, you know, a high school teenager. Um, and he's about to go to jail for life for, for killing this woman. Cause they, they planted evidence on him and there's a, pretty compelling sequence where he's trying to get the the gun uh that robin williams planted on him because there's a whole turnabout turnabout thing where he plants the gun in robin williams vent and robin williams finds it and then uses that as the evidence to to plant on on the boy um and he's basically like okay you know i can either just let this go and leave or i could turn myself in and kind of unravel this whole thing and that could lead to all this work that I've done falling apart as well to you know try and get people behind bars that I think are deserve to be behind bars um and so he's grappling with all of this uh and then during that sequence we see Hillary Swank's character grappling with do I tell don't tell people about what I found about the fact that uh Al Pacino's character actually shot his partner and it wasn't this other guy and you know basically Al Pacino is giving a monologue about you or what, what is what I did right. And, uh, Maura Tierney, uh, she, her character is like, well, it sounds like you made a choice based on what you felt like you could live with. Uh, and then we see Hillary Swank kind of decide mentally that she's going to not pursue this and drive away. Um, and I think that's a good theme that the movie continues to revisit and touch on and like make a very clear through line to. And that culminates at the ending where he is laying dying after being shotgunned by Robin Williams. Uh, and she's basically like, no one has to know about this. I'm going to throw this bullet in the ocean. Like, you know, people don't need to, to know, to have your legacy tarnished because ultimately you were a hero. And he's like, no, don't, don't start breaking the rules like I did. Don't don't go down that path. Like you're a good cop. Actually, stay in that lane and, and continue to be what the you know what people need you to be. Continue to stay within the law. Um, and so she you know presumably is going to do that. Uh, I that that moment really saved it more saved it for me because I did think it was just going to end in like here's a shootout. Yeah, they're all dead, so it's fine. It doesn't matter. Well, and <laughs> like, it is kind of move another, it along. It's another step towards optimism in his yes in his journey yes. as a filmmaker. In, in some ways, this feels like the anti-following because mm-hmm. that whole thing is like no, our character told the truth from beginning to end, and his opponent just happened to be way smarter and yes. like 50 steps ahead. So truth loses. It loses yes. big time. And then you get to the end of this movie and it's like, no truth prevails. Don't, don't, don't let yourself get stuck in a, a web of lies. Cause it's just going to pile up and, and yep. ruin you. Um, yeah, I really, I liked that, that element of it. It's neat. Mm-hmm. 
There you go. <laughs> and that's the movie. <laughs> and that's Insomnia. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't think I have all that much more to say about it. Uh, it's shot decently well, aside from action scenes that have to disguise the <laughs> fact that it's very heavy on the stunt doubles. Yeah. Um, but yeah, especially the, the opening shots I noticed when they're flying in on a helicopter. Um, like it's just showing... Mm-hmm the alaskan wilderness and there's all this fog and stuff it looks really neat mm-hmm. um the i guess one more thing which is something else that True. i think we'll have to keep an eye out for the man likes planes he and- oh i guess they are in a plane right they're not in a helicopter yeah, he and miyazaki yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um the scene where al pacino finally loses it and he just starts like putting blankets up and like stacking yeah. stuff mm-hmm. to block the sunlight out of the window that is like one of the most the realest thing I've seen in a movie. <laughs> it's like I, I I've been there. I, I get it. And they kicked you out of Target. <laughs> I, I would be curious. Yeah. <laughs> like this Target's too bright. <laughs> Turn out the light. <laughs> uh, I would be curious if like establishments in that area would not typically have blackout curtains. I wonder that myself. You know, or even like I, I really you could just that. go to like a local department store or sure. something and yeah. pick up some. I really thought that was going to be how that was going to end. If she was going to walk over and be like, "Shoop, right, you missed the curtains." <laughs> like I actually thought, because she she actually shows up and then is like, "No, th- this is dark," and then she turns on the light and she's like, "This is actually bright." And like, yeah, there's probably something thematic there if you want to untangle it. I guess, but I I do feel like this movie funnier. is a little bit easier. Um for an audience to get into just in terms of um, what our protagonist is experiencing. Cause you know, it, I I've had bouts of insomnia, not, not as intense as this, not like days without sleep, but I definitely know what it's like to be like, you're just tossing and turning for hours on end yeah. and you try and get rid of the clock and you just try and rearrange yourself. And eventually it's like, all right, whatever. I'm just going to have to live with that. Um, but I feel like that's, I, I, I don't know. I feel like that's a lot easier to just mentally get yourself into that place and just like imagine yeah. that with the protagonist than, oh, I can only remember things for 15 minutes and then everything resets. <laughs> it is interesting. Although in this how... age of TikTok, man, tell me about it. Sure. Well, you know what? I'm not on the TikTok. So, you know, I would get on there and be like, whoa, it's just like Memento. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next one would start and you'd go whoa this is just like memento <laughs> i next, am sammy jenkins <laughs> next, next week's recommendation from alex i am become yeah, leonard <laughs> next um, my recommendation is this cool dance okay i'm doing kind of like a hip thing <laughs> alex recommends tiktok um yeah it's a bad idea and it's probably unhealthy for everyone to use uh as frequently as they do but uh remind me of memento so all right thumbs up <laughs> all right getting political tyler what were you gonna say <laughs> um, it is it is weird how the insomnia never i mean if it affects obviously the performance it kind of affects the way characters look at him and you know he kind of gets out outmanned in certain parts because he's he's not uh kind of doesn't have his full faculties um, towards the end of the movie, he's trying to drive to, uh, get to Robin Williams' house to track him down. Um, and he almost runs into, 
a truck that's maybe there or maybe he just had a hallucination but he like steers off the road and almost uh crashes and then he kind of picks himself back up and keeps going um it's weird how that's kind of as far as the insomnia stuff goes there's mm-hmm. there's not they kind of talk about hallucinations and he you know starts to see people in the crowds and stuff um like he sees his partner's face in the crowd when obviously his partner's dead uh but they don't there's not really a payoff to that part of it like uh, i don't know that i guess the idea is that you know at the end he kind of does accept who he is and of course he he ends sleeping because he's dead just like i see what you did there um just let me sleep (laughs) also one of the realest moments in a movie (laughs) (laughs) um but it, it it's interesting that that doesn't the, it doesn't I, I get kind of, quite as extreme as it maybe should, because yeah, because uh, uh, Robin Williams keeps talking about like, oh, if you let this go on much longer, you're really gonna lose it, and you get to like the end shootout, and it's like, yeah, he seems perfectly competent. I don't know. Kind of fe- feels like there should be something over the top, like he you know sees his partner and starts talking to him, yeah. and during the shootout, and Hillary thinks like, what are you doing? going on and you know he has to struggle through that and see the truth and he's like not now giant turkey leg you know he actually shoots uh he actually shoots robin williams instead of his partner like you know sure sure something time full circle on that or something like that feels like we should go uh, go there (laughs) and and it should be a little bit more overt um just because of how extreme the movie kind of approaches the, the insomnia i agree sorry I I have the opposite of insomnia apparently. <laughs> are, are are we ready for for uh, the scores? I give the movie a B. I also give it a B. Oh snap, Tyler, we are we are we Britain, are give us give we us are that in D-. sync on on our our Nolanology here so far. Well, I give it a C. All right. All right. I think it's I think it's nicely done. I just wasn't compelled by it. Sure. Yeah. I yeah, I I definitely see why like audiences didn't really respond to this and why it was kind of his least or is his least heralded movie. Yeah. I think but I can that all, tracks pretty well. But I can also see why this would make people in the industry and people who are like watching movies go, Yeah. Uh you can do other stuff though. I want yes. to see what you do with other material. What if we gave you a rich guy with a funny hat? <laughs> that's and that's the prestige. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. But no, I. Uh, do you guys have anything to recommend? I finished Deadwood. Hey. There you go. Um, How'd that so go? Yeah, there's... So there's three seasons of Deadwood, and then there's Deadwood the movie. Ooh, movie, movie, movie. Um, so I I didn't really know a lot of the behind the scenes stuff with Deadwood. I found out a little bit afterwards. So basically, they canceled the show after the first three seasons because it was too expensive to film. Um, so it took a long time for the sequel yeah. or the the movie to actually get made, and it was kind of a long time coming. Um. Which makes a lot of sense, because when I was watching the movie, I was like, so is this like, should I treat it mentally as a season four or mm-hmm. like an epilogue or what's the deal here? 
Um, I would say both the show and the movie is is more a case where I really enjoy the actors and the characters they're portraying, and I'm not quite as invested in the story itself. Hundred um, percent. There's a lot of really fun world building, but it feels like sometimes it gets very mired in like political stuff that's not always very clear. Yes. And there's alliances forming, and I don't really know who's got what power at any given time and why couldn't you guys just go shoot that person? And like, what's because sometimes they get into like the machinations of, well, if we kill this person, then this will happen. And that's why we can't do it. And sometimes they're just like, they don't even address. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it was really neat to see everyone, particularly in the movie, um, just how many people they get back. And a lot of the um, older versions of these, these characters and, and the performances, um, Ian McShane, is is Amazing. once again the highlight and steals Incredible. the show um and yeah i i think uh it's all very consistent in quality um so i think if you watch like the first couple episodes of deadwood and you're like yeah i can get into this then you'll probably like the rest of it um yeah i thought it was neat i, I think that's a, i think you're right the, the, and obviously i tend to watch acting the most when i watch stuff but and i i am i have not finished deadwood yet but despite being the one who told alex to watch it um I it is just like a a actor fan's dream, like yeah. everyone in it is good, and you just get so many great scenes where they're like, oh, we haven't had these two interact. Let's find a reason for these two actors to play off each other, and it's always it's much funnier than you would think. It's so it's just it works on so many levels, and it's just you're constantly hearing really great dialogue delivered by really great actors. I will say the the movie has a very good balance of, oh, here's a bunch of characters you recognize and kind of references and things, but it doesn't feel over the top and it doesn't feel like that's the point of the movie. It doesn't yeah. feel like, oh, this is just cameo city. Right. You know, right. that type of thing. It feels like, oh, no, no, there's an actual reason that we're back here. Yeah. And experiencing nice. this story. Um, I did feel like some characters got, got the short end of the stick, but... The movie's less than two hours, oh, so wow. I kind of expected that going into it. I was like, oh, this is only like a couple episodes of the show. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that show has a ton of characters. Yeah. And I was like, well, if this were three hours, then maybe, but I, I don't know what, what the constraints were on getting it made, so I'm not going to complain too much because at least everyone's here yeah. and the story's solid. But yeah, Deadwood is neat. Good to know. <laughs> Good to know. Tyler, what you got? Um... I haven't really watched or done, read much of things aside from keeping up with Poker Face and The Last of Us, both of which continue to be fantastic. Um, both both have kind of earned my full like stamp of approval. Go, go watch them if you haven't. Get get on that catch up. Um, Bella Ramsey in the last episode of The Last of Us, I think, gives her best performance yet, and it's very very good it's a very good show i'm very happy with it uh britain i i i feel like i know where you're going with your recommendation and i would like you to <laughs> like you to tell the people what you've done yes well no uh no i, I don't know this is probably kind of obvious it's it's oscar season everybody's talking about the best movies of 2022 and and but we're also early into this like we talked about how we've got like 20 some odd franchise movies alone mm-hmm. 
forgetting like Arya. Well, Arya Aster will probably do that on the show. But um, I still got heartburn over this. Yeah, over this fact. No, it's a lot. So, but I don't want to talk about any of that stuff because I watched Megan. I watched it. I gave Peacock $5 to let me get in their house and hang out with Megan for an hour and 41 minutes. And it was great. And it's Does anyone it. actually refer to her as M3 again in the movie? They do or not. Or is it just... It is just Aww. Megan. But it stands for like Mark III genetic android or something. Good. good. So it's, oh, so there is, there a, is reason a reason for the, for three. the three. Okay. I thought it was just a cutesy thing because... Uh, movie marketing is terrible. <laughs> yeah, no, they 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 explain it. No, th- this movie. I think by now people know that it is an intentionally silly movie. It sets its tone in less than two minutes. Like it is very quickly. Like this is supposed to be wacky. It's not always comedic, but it's supposed to be kind of over the top. It's and so there are probably questions that I would raise about continuity or lore, world building, or whatever that. In a movie that took itself more seriously, I would there would probably be problems that in this movie I'm like, why am I asking this? <laughs> it's not it's not a good bad movie. I think it is a good movie mm-hmm. because it is is it. I view a, a good bad movie as something that is failing enjoyably at its goals, and I think Megan is meeting its goals. Um, they will not tell me if Megan is animatronic or makeup or a combination, <laughs> whatever it is. She is a wonderful creation. She's very effective. She's really freaky. I wouldn't call the movie scary for me, but the doll is freaky. Um, Allison Williams, who I absolutely adore, is in it, and she's really good. The little girl who played Little Nell or Young Nell in Haunting of Hill House is really good. Ronnie Chang's in it. Probably some other people. Um, a weird random bully is just, just shows up in the movie because they were like, oh, we need a bully. Go, mm-hmm. you kid, go be a bully. Um but it's is that is that the scene in the woods where where yeah. Megan does some crab walking? Yeah, it is. She, she pulls an exorcist to to. It's and and you know get... what? There's no reason for her to do that. Pretty good. Pretty I mean, good. there there is a reason. All... I mean, you enjoyed it, right? Ooh, exactly, exactly. Well, the the scene she she got on top of him, beat him to a pulp, and said, "I'm vengeance." <laughs> The scene or gif or whatever that everyone's seen of her doing I'm, the dance. I'm the three engines. I'm the three engines. My review of this movie on Letterboxd was, you guys, the denouement. But all the E's were threes. <laughs> because the denouement of this movie is pristine. It comes full circle. This movie's a little bit. Uh, a little bit tar, a dash of uh of uh real steel. There's just a lot going on in it. A um, little bit of Chucky, a little bit of boy, the boy, which we will do for the podcast. I invoke mm. it here. Um, and uh, it has a sequel, and uh, I I I really enjoyed it. I think that I watched the unrated cut, which is apparently six seconds shorter than the other cut. So I don't know what they trimmed off to add <laughs> stuff to the unrated cut. But it doesn't even... There is one act where you see in more detail uh, one act of violence. And I think one is done a little more over the top. But, like, it's it's the same movie. Because I, I looked up, like, mm-hmm. is it going to be upsettingly more so? Or just is it... What should I watch? And it's like, it's the same movie. It really doesn't make a big difference. Um, okay. But it was worth the $5 I gave to Peacock. For the month of Peacock, I now have. So check back next week when I recommend and talk about Chicago Med some more. There you Cause go. Because I there realized that I could watch Chicago Med, swore for three minutes, and then watch Med. Got, 
Britain, you got how Poker many? Face, you got Tar, you got Nope, and you're going straight for Scarlet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, look at all these well-reviewed, really interesting works by auto filmmakers. That one had a guy in a panda suit. <laughs> look, Britain has his weaknesses, like we all do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Britain, mm-hmm. how, how many seasons of Chicago Med are there? There are... Okay, so here's the great thing. Okay, mm. we're, we're are, I'm cutting it off now. No, <laughs> I don't no, no, need no. an actual answer. You can't. Sir, let me speak. There are, I think, eight. <laughs> they might be going... I mean, they're in their eighth or going into their ninth. But God. <laughs> but every season, the titles of the episodes have the same number of words as the, the, epi- as the, the season. So every episode of the first season is called, like, Change, Heart, mm-hmm. Break fracture episode two it's all like lines crossed family ties you know that kind of thing yeah. season three is like trick or treat truth or dare. season four is like i want mom now or whatever and so what that means is I'm gonna find it, that in like season eight or whatever they have eight word titles this is pretty good it's so it's so what it should I be. I like this. I like this approach. No, I, I don't I don't like that escalation think... game because they're daring themselves to make more. Sure. So that means you have, in parentheses, caught between the wrecking bell and the butterfly, wrecking ball and the butterfly. The apple doesn't fall far from the teacher. Okay. The clothes right. make the man, or do they? And episode five, yep, this is the world we live in. <laughs> I think movies should follow this. I think movies should. You, you, earn, you earn a word for every, every sequel you're able to make. It's like, well, it's, I mean, if Fast and Furious operated by that, I'd probably have more respect. Well, it's yeah. 2023. Right. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, so this is a movie about... <laughs> but yeah, so that's, that's what I'm saying is um, I could watch Tar tonight, but I could also watch Chicago Mad. Did we... Alex, did we watch? Did we watch Ant Man before the la- between recordings? Did we talk about? Uh, we've watched Ant Man. I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast. Uh, no, I don't we'll think talk so. about it on the podcast eventually. And that's my that's my uh, <laughs> statement on Ant Man. I have not seen it. I was. I give it a C minus right that's now. That's higher than Pro- I expected. It'll probably mm-hmm. drop. <laughs> I uh, yeah, that's you know, I felt we needed to acknowledge. Yeah, we're we're still plugged in. We're still, mm-hmm. uh, we're still hip. <laughs> we know what the people are talking about. Yeah, Alex is going to recommend TikTok next week, and I watched Megan. Yeah, yeah. It reminded me of Memento. I'll recommend Ices. <laughs> I think that's what the kids like. Kids are always getting right? Ices. Yeah. Or like uh, that's what they dip their dinosaur shaped chicken nuggets into. Well, I was gonna say you know like the you know um, fun dip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or onion rings. Hey, I'm doing the icy challenge. It's gonna. I'm gonna make. I'm gonna make a business that's popular with all the teens, and then these are the items that are gonna we're gonna sell. It's just gonna sure. be kind of a. Sort of, a, sort of a, a movie theater concessions, but like more skewing towards like a Dave and Buster's uh-huh. kind of thing. Okay, okay. Like if you could just buy the prizes at the Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. I gotcha. I did watch another movie that I'll probably recommend next week. Um, 
that True. is maybe not it's not really like megan at all but it's also not tar what i'm saying is i haven't gotten to tar <laughs> yet but i will eventually i wanted to watch megan and tar and then Bree's like i watch tar i want to talk about megan mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i assume they're sister films i have a theory Britain, yeah. alex Britain, you're gonna leave us on on a cliffhanger here i really want to know this theme park that you speak of ah uh... Yeah, the movie that brought back <laughs> Martin Scorsese's faith in modern cinema. And I was like, um, that one has a crazy doll. And Allison Williams. I Now, if I'm going to watch you know a movie what? about a, a, a stern-faced blonde protagonist that makes a lot of trouble for everybody and commits yeah. sort of ear-based atrocities. Y- you know what? I bet I bet Marty watched him Regan and had a wonderful time. Yeah. I bet, I bet he had a wonderful time at the cinema. He- he actually thought he was watching Tar. He did. Why. I, I bet they're really, I bet they line up a lot. The, the whole time he was like, wow, Kate is so great in this. <laughs> I don't know how she they like, got, how they made it so short. Transformative. <laughs> I mean, I knew she could dance, but come on. I just wish they would tell me if Tar is, I knew she could dance, but come on. <laughs> <laughs> in between takes of the aviator, you should have seen it. <laughs> I just wish they would tell me if Tar was a makeup or a puppet or what was going on. <laughs> if you'd like to find out if we talk about Tar next week again, um, you can find us online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at HCTsequels. You can email us at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. We are on Spotify and uh, Apple Podcast and all the all the good stuff there. Um, give us five stars. Go Go pick up your phone. Right now, park if you're driving. <laughs> Pick it up. Yes, that means you, Alex. Uh, Alex, pull over. Open, open the app that you're listening to us on, and uh, so that would be Skype, I guess, uh, for us. And, I, was say, I don't know if there's an app on my headphones. Yeah, uh, go do, do give us five stars and say say nice words. I, I should I should do it. I should go to the podcast app and just start playing a random episode. Just have just if you have that as don't, part, of, part of this episode. God. If you don't do it, Megan will find you. Um, but I want that to happen. That'll be fun. Oh, weird. I gotta I gotta see her break out like some this. dance moves so I can make a TikTok. <laughs> Alex, you don't know what is sur- you don't know the context of those dance moves. You don't want it. You've you've, you've called you've called my bluff. I didn't I didn't want to go. <laughs> I didn't actually want it to go down that path. <laughs> Next week. We'll send we'll send Tar after you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alex's greatest. Fear. Oh no, I can't, I can't let that as, happen. <laughs> as always, the email is open. Here comes sequels at gmail.com. I already said it, but I'm saying it again. Send us memes. I will describe memes. I can't believe no one is clamoring to send us memes for me to describe on this. Got to be Tar memes out there somewhere. G- send us Tar memes. I'll find them. Yeah, if there's, I'll, I'll if go there's, find them myself if I have to. If there's some weird crossover with with. Uh, memes that that contain both M3gan and Tar. They're called M3s. We will accept them. M3 threemes. M3 threemes. M3 threemes. Next week we're we're not doing Batman Begins. We're doing the Prestige. Yeah, I've been Alex. <laughs> <laughs> and eventually we'll get to to Thrithrent. To threaten that threat. Man, this is hard to do. Uh, I've been Britain. Um, I've been Tyler. Uh, and your 
hopefully having a good night as long as you can uh, find a way find a way to sleep not by looking at tiktok <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>